Welcome to Critical Blues Reviews. I'm your host, Critical. And I'm your guest host, Nikki Lachey. Why do you have a name like a stripper? Because I do. Let's move on. Thank you. <laughs> oh, Anyway, uh, please continue to make me last by giving listeners support to the podcast. And also... Uh, happy Cinco de Mayo! Yes, happy Cinco de Mayo. And shout out for those who uh, uh, want to celebrate Mexico's independence. And shout out to Vincente Guerrero, the first black president in North America to help Mexico get their independence. A lot, a lot of information like that is known, isn't known. It's held back. You know, a lot of black information is held back. No duh. But we're going to go ahead and Expose as much black information as we can. Yeah. I'm not digging the whole expose thing. I think reveal would be a better word. Step your word game up. But anyway. <laughs> no, but uh, please continue to make me last by giving listeners support to the podcast. And uh, today, speaking of black excellence, we will be reviewing... The Banker. Now, this uh, can be found on Apple TV Plus, and the director for this film, you have George Nolfi. He directed The Adjustment Bureau, Allegiance TV show, and also Birth of the Dragon. And he also co-wrote this film, and uh, the other writer is uh, Nisiol R. Levy. And she wrote Cloak and Dagger, Shades of Blue, and Ironside. Mm -hmm. And uh, just to let you know that Anthony Mackie also produced this film as well. Now, the logline for this film, you have two sharp-witted black gentlemen who outsmarted a white supremacist system, system by hiring a white man to pretend he's head of the business empire in the 1960s. Now, the characters for this film, you have Bernard Garrett, played by Anthony Mackie. Mm -hmm. He was in The Hurt Locker. Captain America, Winter Soldier, and also Civil War. You have, uh, oh, I did I ever tell you I met Anthony Mackie before? Oh, I think you did tell me a little bit about that. I did? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. So, uh, yeah. So What's so interesting about you telling me that you met Mr. Mackie already? Uh, so what, was, what was the story? What did I tell you? You, you told me that y'all were talking and, and he was pushing up on you because he, he was going to whoop your ass. But he was doing it in a way like he was telling a story. Yeah, I think he would whip your ass, bro. Yeah, I think he would fuck you up. But you felt intense. Don't mislead our audience. <laughs> That's not how that went down. Well, For some you, you might have not have said it in those words, but that's the way that I interpreted it in my head. Uh, you know what? Since you messed everything up, I'm going to have to clear it up for the audience. Some of the people have heard the story before. Uh, yes, I did meet Mr. Anthony Mackie many years ago. Um, cool brother. Uh, the situation was uh, you had the concierge that was taking uh, the VIP up to his room. And I had to carry his bags. I was a bellman back then. And so once I was carrying his bags to the room, uh, he would just engage, we just engaged in conversation. And then he told me about the time he was in Atlanta and how some guy 
I guess, thought he was someone else, and he jumped on it. The person jumped on him, and I guess the dude, he, he got the upper hand on the guy, and he was using me as one of those, uh, I guess, a beat-up dummy. Demonstration. Yeah, demonstration dummy. <laughs> so we're in the middle of the doggone hallway. I'm in my uh, my uh, penguin suit, and he's uh, looking looking mighty good, I must say. Whoa, wait a minute. Pause. Pause. Are you trying to say that he looked good, or are you trying to say that in your penguin suit you look good and you just didn't complete your sentence? Because that was a big pause moment. It sounded like you just said that he looked good. Come on, man. What are we doing here? But, he, you know, he's over there demonstrating what he did to the guy in the club while I'm in my penguin suit, you know. So I thought that was pretty interesting, man. I think my story would get on TMZ or even um, World Star. My story sound better than your story. Well, you met Anthony Mackie before? No, the story that I said that how you met Anthony Mackie, how he was trying to. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, we're going to discuss uh, uh, the character. Next character is Joe Morris. Now, this character is played by Samuel Jackson. He was in Pulp Fiction, A Time to Kill, and Eve's Bayou. Did about... I ever tell you about the times that I met um, Samuel L. Jackson? You met Samuel L. Jackson? No. Shut up. <laughs> I met Samuel Jackson. I met him and his wife. I, I met Samuel Jackson. Uh, I think uh, him and the guy, I can't think of the actor's name. He was playing golf um, with the guy from, uh, 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 what, what's, the, what's the movie where the dude was like, how about fruit, fruit bowl, tramp? He was Bubba <laughs> Gump. Uh, Wait in XL. I can't think of his name right now. It's McKelty Williamson. Okay? It's McKelty Williamson. McKelty Williamson. Come on, man. I can't do your job for you. He was Bubba Gump. Oh, I love shrimp. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah, they, they were playing golf, and they came in while a family was coming. Uh, I think they were taking pictures from a wedding or something like that. And they asked Samuel Jackson and uh, to take a picture. And he, he went in there. Um, he took the picture. He, he was I don't know if he was pretending like he didn't want to or really didn't want to. But it was funny because the actor who played Bubba Gump ran in there. was like, I want to get in the picture, too. And he ran in there with his golf clubs. It was cool, man. It was really a cool experience back in the day. And I also met Samuel's wife uh, because my homeboy, Clean, actually knew um, his family. He told me this in college, that he met Samuel Jackson's, he knew Samuel Jackson's family. And so I was like, oh, you know, and I, you know, he's a trustworthy, you know, person, but it was just too far-fetched. You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you know Samuel Jackson's family? Like the fact that you know all the, all the um, actors, actresses and actors. I when we do our podcast, you know them all. I don't know them all. You met them all. You got a story about everybody. Oh, well, the, hey, I'm 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 a I'm a I am a very entertaining person. Uh -huh. I mean, a lot of people just like to be around me. I have stories. Did you meet Bobby Brown? I never met Bobby Brown, but Jim Jones cursed me out. So anyway, <laughs> so uh, other than that, um, so yeah, so I did uh, meet uh, Samuel Jackson's wife uh, through. Um, I didn't know, because she said that, you know, I, I didn't know who she was, I, and she was, like, saying that her husband was on the set of Avengers, and I didn't think anything of it. I'd never seen her before, so I was kind of like, oh, okay, what did your husband do? And she was, like, kind of looked puzzled and was like, uh, he's, no, I, I said, uh, is he, you know, work the camera? Is he, like, behind the scenes? He's like, no, he's on the set. Like, he, he's an actor. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I was like, what's his name? She was like, Sam. And I was like, Sam. And I was like, okay. She said, Sam L. 
I was like, and I, you know what? As a matter of fact, I didn't ask his name because she was telling me his name. And I was like, why is she telling me his name like I like I know this guy? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like I know her husband. And then eventually I was like, oh, you're saying Samuel. And she was like, oh, like, yeah, now you know. Like, like you knew who my, my husband was. Right. And I was like, well, then you must know. You know. All she had to do was add a motherfucker at the end of it and you would have known. Yeah. You knew who my husband is, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so I was kind of like, you know, oh, so then you know Keith, which was Queen. And she was like, Keith. And then I said Keith's full name. And then she was like, yes, I do. So I was like, wow, Queen really does know Samuel Jackson's family. So that was a cool uh, story. Um, also, uh, the other characters in this film, you have Matt Steiner, played by Nicholas Holt. He was in X-Men Days of Future Past, Mad Max Fury Road, and Warm Bodies. You have Eunice Garrett, played by Nia Long. She was in Boys in the Hood. Did you mean Nia Love Long? Jones? No, I didn't. She uh she was in uh Boys in the Hood, Love Jones, and The Best Man. Now, let's say one day you were at home, you know, making some uh, hard rice. It's <laughs> then all of a sudden you get a knock on your door. And there's like some guys in suits with briefcases, and they're like Excuse me. It's not like they you... from the I, the R, and the S, and I'm not opening it. <laughs> They're like, excuse me, Nikki Lachey. Sounds like a stripper name, by the way. But Nikki Lachey, I uh, need this information for you. We are getting rid of one of these movies. We're getting rid of uh, Boys in the Hood, Love Jones, or The Best Man. But we only can keep one, and we're coming to you because you're from Chicago, and your name is Nikki Lachey, and you have <laughs> Janet Jackson Dookie braids, and we want you to break it down why, uh, not why, but which movies we should get rid of, or which movies we should keep. What would you tell them? Which movie would you keep? That would be very, very hard. Um, I'll offer up other movies like... You say what now? I'll offer them other oh. movies like you could take, uh, take away Pulp Fiction or... Forrest Gump. Can you take one of those instead? No. And, and tell me. No, it's no. Boys in the Hood, Love Jones, and the Best Man. Let me finish my story. Man. They came to my house, knocked on my door, and they asked me the question. They, they, they just told you. So hey. let me tell you about the conversation that we had. That's what we talked about. No, it's a But then he told me, no, that I couldn't do that. So I was like, okay, Love Jones, that's the best, one of the best black love stories of all time. True. Um... The best man. It has so many sexy black men in there. I like the storyline. It kind of touches on unconditional love. Okay. And boys in the hood, just let us know what the hell going on in the hood. But I'm pretty sure you already knew that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so so the I know thing you is... think I'm not really that plugged. I'm halfway plugged, but I'm not all the way plugged. Right. I'm not plug plug. I'm just plug. You're the treat. <laughs> So anyway, um, so so they say, well, you know, well, Nikki Lachey, we're, we'll just have to take away Boys in the Hood, Love Jones, and the Best Man since you won't help us. And so you allow them I, to I take would away. have to take take away Best Man. Although I love Best Man, out of all three, that would probably be the least. Okay, and we'll be next because you only can keep one. Then I would have to get my gun and then I would have to shoot because I can't get rid of the other two. All right, all right. That just went to a different direction. I mean, I'm just telling you what happened. That's what happened when they knocked on my door. All right, but it was my story. Anyway, <laughs> you just destroyed that. So now we also have um, uh, Robert Florence Jr., who uh, is played by Scott Johnson. He was in the Creep Show TV series. 
And he was in Being Mary Jane TV series and also To Catch a Killer TV series. I love Being Mary Jane. You do? I've never I seen did. it. You, you, no, you wouldn't like it. But you know, I, you know, I, I was for a minute I was boycotting all the Gabrielle Union stuff. I remember what she did to me. Yeah, of course you have a story with Gabrielle Union as well. I mean, she dissed me. <laughs> the, the, the the two stories that I had the most probably between Gabrielle Union and Jim Jones. But anyway. <laughs> So, uh, now, just to give you a quick summary of the story, you have Bernard S. Garrett. Uh, he was a curious young boy who grew up in Willis, Texas, of 1934. He shined shoes. He also took notes from the strategies and plans of his white customers. Now, in 1954, he moved to Los Angeles, where he met Joe Morris, a smooth, arrogant, and carefree businessman. In the beginning, rubbed the no-nonsense and very serious Bernard the wrong way. Now, he was introduced uh, to Mr. Joe Joris by Joe Morris, excuse me, by his wife. Now, they began to go into business with one another and purchasing a building that held banks by getting a white man named Matt Steiner to be the face of their business because of the discriminations towards blacks. So anything you would like to add, because I know you said you were doing some research or you wanted to do some research on uh the, the history of this, this this is one of those movies that you want to after you watch the movie you want to know what happened you know, right. you want to know more about these um characters in, in the movie and, mm -hmm. and I was I was just like that I, I tried to look up information I, I found a little bit of, I, I found a lot of information um because it was also a situation you know not, not a situation but you know we tried to watch this movie for a while but the movie never would come out Remember, I was like telling right, you about right. the, movie. the controversy regarding the allegations of sexual abuse. Right, right, and you were able to, you know, are, are you able to um, let's elaborate go ahead a little bit? Well, yeah. What I found is um, the movie was um, kind of blackballed, or um, they were trying to prevent the movie from ever coming out because of allegations of sexual abuse. That occurred between two of Mr. Bernard's children, two of his daughters, by allegedly by his first son, um, Bernard Jr. Yeah. Now, look, these were uh, Bernard's uh, blood daughters, or were this, they? Adopted? They were. I mean, not adopted. No, these were his they? biological kids. They were. Oh, okay. However, um, they had different moms. Got you. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. See, I thought that they had. Um, uh, like the like she had her own kids. Okay. No, actually Bernard was married three times. He had three wives. Um the, the wife that they portrayed in the movie, um, from the research that I found, mm -hmm. um, that storyline was not completely accurate. Um he he according to the records that I found, he bought his first building in nineteen sixties. In in the nineteen sixties. Because the first wife was Eunice. Mm-hmm. Eunice. Eunice and Mr. Bernard um, divorced in 1959, so they weren't even together um, when he was able to obtain the banker's building mm -hmm. as well as the majority of the rest of the real estate buildings that he owned as well. Gotcha. Uh, however, um, the allegations came about by the daughters, and the, the person that was most vocal would be his second wife, which her name is Linda Bernard. Um but the underlying issue what is what they're saying is it seems to me that she was really upset that when they um, 
decided to make his life story a movie, they didn't ask her any questions. She felt like um, she was married to him at the time he obtained all the buildings. Mm -hmm. So she felt like she know she knows a mm -hmm. lot. Sure. Yeah, she knew a lot, uh, or she was part of the story. Put it that way. That you know, she you know everybody wants to feel like, and I and I don't want to take that away because you know if a husband and a wife they should, they should be they should have a partnership. Right. Um, they they should be you know the king and the queen of of whatever venture that they're trying to obtain together. So I don't I don't knock that, but she felt like that they should have came to her um, for more of the of the information about the story, but instead most of the information came from his oldest son, which is Bernard Jr., who happens to be the person who they made the allegations towards. And, and he was denying it. Didn't he say something about that? Um, it... Yeah, he his, his part, his statement is, Miss Linda is upset because she told, he told the dad that she was cheating on him and that's part of the reason why they separated. So that's his, that's, that's his, his reasoning. He said that all this information is coming about now, which I mean, I, I feel like if that was something that occurred, it, it should have came out prior to him. Mm -hmm. It should have came out prior. It should have came out prior. Should have come out prior. I got you. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> should have came out prior to them. Um, <laughs> Releasing this movie, you know, if it's if it's some personal business situation that's that's occurring, that occurred, I would think that as soon as the information was brought to me, I wanted I wanted to be investigated right then and there. I, I don't have to wait till his name is out um, as a producer or writer of a movie to try to tarnish his name. Why right. do it now? It's just the timing is kind of sketchy as to why is it happening now. Right, yeah, because I, I, I totally disagree on the manner, how it's done. Um, it, you don't really see, you, you see that with a lot of black film. Um, that also happened with the movie um, Birth of a Nation, um, where you had uh, the director, he dropped, as soon as he dropped his film, that's when all of a sudden old allegations right. started to come up again. And then it was like, you know, they just basically canceled him. Uh, so yeah, it, it was very, you know, I, I feel it's like it's kind of sketchy the timing. Yeah, yeah, is happening right I now. Mean, is, is this something that occurred? Is this something that's ongoing prior to this? I, I, I guess I, I didn't hear anything prior to this happening, right? Right, I haven't heard anything about this. Right. Like, but as soon as the story came out and people were getting interested, and it was like, oh man, this sounds great, yeah. you know, like you got somebody who, you know. That really, that was crafty, or a couple of gentlemen that were black gentlemen that were crafty enough to trick white supremacy in, you know, in that time in the, what, the 1960s. So, you know, I felt like, you know, that's something that's big news. And all of a sudden, oh, you know, you got this allegation that happened, not even to the main character of the right. story. But I mean, if you think about it, yeah, that what happened with the son had nothing to do with the story. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the, actually, the, the, the son. He, he he they only showed he only had like two or three scenes and he wasn't a significant yeah, part was a, was a of the boy. story. Yeah. He wasn't part of the story at all. Right, right. But I guess it's the it's the fact that he would he got some type of monetary value for being a producer and being a writer. Right, right. That's the part that they they felt like they wanted to make sure that that doesn't happen. 
Right, but see, that's the thing. They didn't attack the fact that he got something for it. Now, he did take his name off, correct? Yeah, he took, he his, took name his name off, off the Just movie. so the story can live. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. he felt like the story was more important, and I commend him for that. He, uh, he, he felt the story was way more important than those personal issues or those allegations. So he wanted the story to live, and... And, you know, of course, it came back out again. But you even mentioned to me that it had a real soft opening. Like, like yeah. the... the uh, yeah, it did. I, no advertisement it, at all. I think it's just a great movie. And if people knew about it, I, I'm pretty sure they will watch it and they'll support it. But, hey, where, where do we find out about it at? Okay, yeah. So, let me ask you this. So, you felt this was a great movie. What are your likes and dislikes? Well, I really like the way that they um, they portrayed the characters. That's kind of a, a like and a dislike because um, this is the 1960s mm-hmm. and everybody seemed to be on the nice, mature side. But we all know that in the 1960s, it wasn't like that. Um, if if an African-American person got pulled over by the police, he would be coming out of there with stitches, a broken arm, a broken something. Basically, what what is you know what's going on today? I mean, it's almost similar. You know what's going on today, but especially you, during the uh, this, epi- this uh, pandemic. You know, it's like a lot of black people that are uh, you know that have their mat don't have masks on, or whatever the case may be, compared to white people in certain areas that don't have masks on. The white groups are given masks while the black people are actually getting beat up and arrested. Like the you know the guy that was just beaten up recently, I think a couple of days ago. By a police officer, um, a Dominican police officer. I don't know if you heard that story or not. I didn't. You didn't. Okay. Well, yeah, you know, but you know, back then, you know, it was it was more so in your face. Like they, right. well, it's actually in your face now. It is in your face now. The killings are in your face. I mean, because they're being recorded. Um, like being shot with water hoses. You know, dogs suck. Being you know sick on the. Uh, I said suck, being sucked on, <laughs> being paused. So being uh, sicked on the uh, uh, black um, patrons or, you know, just uh, everyday civilians. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's it, it, I would say it's probably at an even point right now. But I, that that's what, a, that, that's a dislike for me for this movie because it was a scene where someone got arrested and I felt like it was very nice. It was very. I mean, nice. the whole movie it was it was wasn't really attacking. Um, it wasn't in your no. face. It wasn't in your face attacks. Put it that way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it, I, I would say this from it what was I saw. Underlined. It was like low down underlined, but it definitely wasn't like in your face like how it was back then. Yeah. It was almost like trying to be sweetened up. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. you see that in a lot of movies, especially. Like, even though this movie, I feel like this movie is a great movie. Um, it did have a white director, a uh, black writer. Uh, but, you know, sometimes I notice when they go into the past, when you have, like, the white directors, they kind of sweeten it up. They don't make mm-hmm. it as brutal as it was back then. Like, when you get a black director, a black director will make it kind of like, you know. More ahead on to what they experienced. Yeah, what, what the experience was. White directors are kind of like, you know. I think it's because it, it's, it's hard to portray something that you've never really been a part of. You know, if it was more of an African-American director, they kind of lived it so they could portray you, it a little you, bit more. But you have to do research. Yeah, you know I mean, mean you like, can do research, like, I, I, but still you can't research. So if, what's the difference between somebody of today uh, directing a movie that's doing research versus a white black person of today directing a movie and doing research and a white person of today directing the same movie and doing research 
But yet, for some reason, the white person doesn't get it like the black person. But none, none of them were there in that time. Because it, it, you have that's something that you have to actually feel. Like for me, describing childbirth for you, you could never really describe describe childbirth because you have never experienced childbirth. But I somebody you could research it all you want, but you can't. You wouldn't really know. Because you haven't felt it. So you saying that witnessing somebody getting their asses kicked is that when you know ne- you never experience getting your ass kicked, that means I mean, you, 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 you ignore you it more. I mean, no, I'm not saying that you ignored it. It's just that you really it's hard to relate something that you don't no, you I, didn't really experience or you're not experiencing currently. No, I think it's just being on code. They're looking out for one another. You know what I'm saying? It's just you know, that's just my opinion. I feel that you know it, it, it's done that for a purpose. You know what I'm saying? For a reasoning. You know what I mean? Like even when we uh, uh you didn't see um uh what's what the Watchmen the TV show TV uh-huh. you saw some of it but um yeah and that when when they had uh the situation that had the Tulsa Oklahoma riots on there uh-huh. um they had the Ku Klux Klan running around beating up all the black people when that wasn't that wasn't really necessarily true it was just a bunch of white people that was just doing it. You know what I'm saying? You had people that was like had airplanes dropping bombs on buildings and stuff. Like so, they had, you know, like like it wasn't just the Ku Klux Klan, and they like to pass it off as Ku Klux Klan as if you know, like it's a it's a difference. You know, yeah, the Ku Klux Klan were around at certain periods or whatever, but it was just a lot of white people that just got together that thought it was fun to really kill black people or were jealous of black people back then. And they'll pass it off like that. Like like in history, it didn't say it was just the Ku Klux Klan or it was the Ku Klux Klan. It was like, but they'll put that in movies to kind of be like, oh, it was these type of white people. You know what I'm saying? And that's and that's the thing that, you know, that's the thing that, that I have a problem with. And I feel like that it was like that. But it wasn't that harsh like um like the uh other TV show, like the Watchmen TV show where they like try to change, you know, put sheets on people and stuff like that, you know. It wasn't like that to that effect, but you know, I did notice that they were very nice with the arrest of certain black people that was in this movie. That's all. Not to get too too deep into it, but yes. Uh, do you have any comparisons for this film? Um, I kind of compare it to the Life movie with Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence. Um, the relationship of the of the friendship. Well, I'm, I say the friendship of the two characters in the movie. Right, but we're not going to spoil it though. On their pursuit <laughs> for. Um, better financial status. Okay, that's really good. Yeah, I, I definitely could see that. I definitely could see uh, it being having that life energy, uh, less of a comedy, of course. Actually, yeah. I, I didn't like life. Um, I liked it. It was a good movie. Don't get me wrong, but I didn't like it because when I when you know a lot of people thought it was funny. I didn't really find it funny. I thought it was like being in hell. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't find anything funny about... I know we talk about a different movie. But since you brought up life, you know, I, I, it felt like it was like hell. Like, you know, you know, you, you got two people that weren't doing anything that were, what, they, they were convicted of murder that they didn't yeah. do. And they're spending their whole life behind bars. And then they finally get out where they're like 90-something years old. Almost, they're looking like they're 100. Mm-hmm. They look terrible. But they look like they're 115 years old when they finally get out just to go to a doggone baseball game. And it was like, oh, that's a great... No, that's terrible. That's, that's, that is hell. You know what I'm saying? Like, that is crazy. You know what I mean? Like, this, yeah, the, their, whole fan, their whole life is gone. You know what I mean? And a lot of people... I remember my own homeboy, Tommy. We, we had a discussion on it. And he was kind of shocked. I didn't... I wasn't really feeling 
life in a comedic sense like that. But that was like, nah, that's that's torturous. But yeah, I definitely agree with your um the comparison. Uh, my comparison, I would compare this to the Black Klansman, and also Catch Me If You Can. Now, um, the reason I would compare this to the Black Klansman is uh the disguises. Um, not necessarily the disguises, or more so like infiltration or pretending to be something somebody that you're not now with black Klansmen, you had ron stallworth on the phone pretending to be a white you know person that wanted to join the ku klux klan mm -hmm. and uh with this movie they basically pushed a white person to play uh the owner you know you well, know he, to get a business they, they had a white face to represent them as a company right you know what i mean um, catch me if you can. Um, definitely, uh, we both know that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character was uh, a criminal, and um, you know these gentlemen weren't criminals. But uh, the only comparison, reason why I compare this movie is the thrill of will they get caught? You know what I mean? Like that's that's the the situation. One is committing crimes, and it's like you know I, I think because of the character, you know with uh, catch me if you can it's like well he's committing crime we're not going to judge him you know let's see if he gets away because we feel sorry for this character you know what i'm saying and then on the other side it's like uh, uh oh i didn't catch me if you can was more like a young boy because i believe he was like 19 at the time right i think and so. he I was smart that. enough to to portray himself as a as a as a pilot and taught himself how to fly a doctor that, that told us, you know, he, that was kind of genius for a person who didn't even finish school. And he was able to pass off and actually fly a plane. He was, uh, that's a criminal act. It's, it's a criminal act. Yeah, it was yeah. genius that he was able to do it without the technical skills. Right, right, right. So, yeah, that's yeah. why I make the comparison because one is genius for being a criminal. The other one's genius for trying to be fair. You know what I'm saying? You know that's that that's the difference. Trying to say. level the playing fields. Yeah, you're just trying to level just you just to you know you know just yeah exactly. Especially going to Texas, you know, trying to get a bank in Texas. That you know that's kind of considered a no no. You know, a black man, you know, in, in Texas with money, you know, or trying to do something, you know, uh, uh, to to gain some type of uh, uh, you know su substantial living. You know, or above substantial living, or just trying to to help other African Americans. Yeah, that was the main thing to help yeah. other African Americans. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's why I say uh, Black Klansmen and Catch Me If You Can. Uh, what is the rating you give this film? I gave it nine hats. Nine hats. Yeah. All right, that's cool. I give this film nine and a half loans. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I give this film. Nine and a half loans. I definitely suggest you all go out there and see it. I mean, it's I mean, just... That's a lot of loans now. You think the bank going to close with all the loans? <laughs> <laughs> it just might. It <laughs> might go into default. You never know. I have to close it down and call the FBI. Uh, but, um, but yeah. So, uh, or I could give it uh, 10 loans given to black, men, black people. <laughs> yeah, that that probably about ten loans given to black people in the 1960s <laughs> in Texas. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, um, definitely go out there and check it out. Beautiful story, great part of history that was excluded. Um, definitely, I'm glad that um, uh, what's my man? We were just talking about my man earlier. 
Bernard. Uh, uh, well, who played Bernard? Uh, Anthony Mackie. Um, definitely, I you know I commend him for producing this and trying to get this out there. I know this has been getting a lot of roadblocks, but um, this this was a great movie, and uh, everybody should go out there and see this film. Support, support, support. All right. So uh, speaking of support, please continue to make me last by giving listeners support to the podcast. And would you like to give your information, Nikki, your Instagram and things of that nature? You can reach me on Instagram at Nikki LB number one. Um, that's good. And that <laughs> <laughs> uh, nah, but you could catch me at uh, Critical Blue Reviews, Critical with the K. And uh, thank you guys for checking me out. And. Oh, and also you can reach me at Critical Blue on Facebook, all right? But y'all take it easy. Definitely see this film. And also, uh, just to kind of, I might do a podcast, an extra podcast on it. I do want to talk about how movie theaters might not be opening up. Because um, I think AMC went out of, possibly going out of business or going bankrupt or whatever. So, you know, we might need to talk about some stuff like that on, you know, how we're going to di digest our films in these nowadays. Uh, these days, I should say. All right, but y'all take it easy. All right, one.